Hi, and welcome to another Practicing Alchemy podcast. It's your host, Allie. Thanks for joining me today. I am going to start off this week's episode with a story, a personal anecdote, if you will. So the title of this week's podcast is Switching from Automatic to Manual. And although this anecdote I'm going to tell you uh, is taking that literally, I also think this idea can apply to your life in a metaphoric way. So keep that in mind as I tell this story, and maybe you'll be able to decide how I'm going to apply this to real life. So flashback one year to April, and I am on a flight to Sweden. I was playing professional soccer and got a contract there that would last around seven months. So I was on my way there. In part of my contract that my intermediary and I negotiated, I would have the use of a car. My roommate and I would be able to use a car to get to and from games and the grocery store and wherever else we could take it where it wouldn't run down because it was a bit older, I think. So when we got to Sweden, my roommate and I, we had to ride in the car for about three hours from the airport. So by the time we got to our apartment, we were exhausted, saw the car quickly, went to sleep, whatever. The next morning, we went out to look at it and we realized it is a stick shift, a manual car. Unfortunately, neither of us knew how to drive one of those. And you know, I had a feeling at some point in my life this was going to happen, but I did not realize that I was going to be thrust into it with no options. I had previously tried to learn how to drive a stick shift twice in my life. Once when I was in college and I was dating this girl who had one and we tried it. Well, we didn't really try it. I should say I got in the driver's seat, tried to shift into first and got so stressed out. I started crying and I said, I can't do this. I'm going to break your car. And she agreed. So I didn't try it anymore. The second time, my friend came to visit me in Iceland when I was playing there, and she rented a car from the airport, and of course, it was stick shift. She did this on purpose because she hates me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, She did do this on purpose because she wanted to help me learn. God bless her soul. We went to a parking lot and practiced, and I did okay, except I never stopped the car. So once I got it into gear, into first gear, I just kept shifting from like first to second to third, back to second to first, and just never actually stopped the car so that I wouldn't have to do it all over again. So I wasn't feeling super confident about that, but at least I understood the clutch, what I was supposed to do with it. So flash forward now back to Sweden, and my roommate Hannah and I are dumbfounded that we are going to have to learn this. Thankfully, there was a very kind girl on the team who was also American and had to learn stick shift, so she offered to teach us one day. So about the second or third day, she came over and took us out to this big parking lot, and we practiced just getting into first gear, which was actually so helpful because as anyone who drives stick or has tried to learn stick or knows anything about stick, that is probably the hardest part, just getting into first, finding that sweet spot. So we practiced for maybe half an hour each, Hannah and I did, just getting into first, you know, getting up to second and then back down, whatever. We were feeling decently confident about it. Another day later, and Hannah and I have got a semi-handle on our stick shift car, but what we don't have is Wi-Fi in our apartment. And 
none of our friends who lived in the town had a phone plan that we understood. So we didn't know how to talk to our family. I think when we got there, it was almost like 48 hours before either of us was able to talk to our family from actual Wi-Fi. We sort of got on our team manager's hotspot for a second to text our family that we were alive. But other than that, we didn't actually get a chance to have a phone call, say hi to anyone. So we were a bit restless in our apartment and decided we needed to find a place to get Wi-Fi. We discovered there was a Burger King, like, a mile and a half or so away from our apartment. So we chucked on our winter coats because it was still freezing there and walked ourselves all the way to Burger King. And we would sit there, bring our laptops there for hours and just use the Wi-Fi because there was not Wi-Fi in our apartment yet. And it was promised to us within the first couple of days, but it did not come. And then when it did come, it did not work. So we had to figure that out as well. So it was probably about a week of us being in a foreign country, just the two of us, no phone plan, no way to communicate with our family, except by going to Burger King. When we decided that we could walk no longer, we said, you know, let's take the car. I think we can take the car. And very uh, opposite to my character, I was quite bold in encouraging Hannah and and myself to take the car to Burger King. I mean, it was only a mile. We had to go through two roundabouts and a stoplight. So I figured we would be fine. It would be totally fine. I did insist though that Hannah drive first <laughs> because apparently I'm terrible. I don't know. I was very encouraging in the starting phase. And then as the summer wore on, I was much less encouraging and sort of tried to not drive whenever possible. All right. So the day of, the fateful day, the grand day where Hannah and I were dropped into the pool of manual driving with little to no guidance or help. Hannah and I get in the car. Reversing is sort of a thing that's also hard, but she did great. And the whole time I sat next to her, very supportive. You got this, Hannah. Nice one. Ooh, good shift. You know, words that are super unhelpful and generic, but I felt that I needed to do something since I told her she should drive first. God bless Hannah for dealing with me, honestly. So she's actually doing great. We get to the first roundabout. There's no one there. So she breezes right through. We get to the stoplight. It's a little tricky. I think maybe we stalled like twice, but uh, no one was mean to us. So that was nice. We lived in a very, very small town. So often there was like one or two cars around us at most. We get through that. It's great. So we're driving. We get to go right through the second stoplight. Like we're, I can see the Burger King from here. So we pass it because we cannot figure out where the turn in is. And so we go to the next roundabout and turn around. And as we're coming up on it, I see it. It's like off the road, but there's not a turn in directly to it. And then right behind it, I see there's a small path. So I say, oh, Hannah, I think I think that's the turn and you can turn in here. So she turns in down a teeny hill. There's a little bit of like a decline there and starts driving sort of slow, like maybe like 10 miles an hour. And we're realizing, I don't think we can get through this path. So the path cut across from the main road to like a side road that the Burger King was on. So when we turned, the Burger King was on our right side, but our path did not connect with the parking lot. And as we looked forward, it did not connect with the side road 
to get to the Burger King. There was a large fence that was in the way um, that wouldn't allow us to go through. So I, I don't know how Hannah dealt with me, but I'm the one who suggested to go on this road. And then I'm also the one who realized the road was not a good option. This wouldn't have been a big deal, except as I sat on that road with her, I realized it was not indeed a road. It was, in fact, a bike path. So there was not a good way to turn around on this bike path, it so happens. Our car just fit on it. A bike, of course, would have been able to turn around just fine. But because we are in a vehicle, there was not a good way to turn around. We looked to the right. It's fenced off as well. I guess they were working on the parking lot. So we couldn't, you know, just pull over the grass and say F it. So we look to the left and there is a ditch, a ravine. On the left side of this bike path is a little creek, pond, stream, not with a lot of water in it, but it was probably four feet down with a sharp decline. So being the supportive alley that I am, I said, okay, I think we're just going to have to reverse. It should be easy. We didn't have to reverse all the way up the hill. There was another sidewalk that we could illegally drive our cars on to turn ourselves around. So I said, just reverse to the sidewalk. You can turn around and then we'll scoot back out of here. I have so many concerns right now, but they are all if I was driving. Again, I had utter confidence in Hannah to do incredible with this feat because she seemed confident enough to me and better her than me, you know? So Hannah starts reversing. She's doing great as far as I can tell. And then as I'm looking forward, I realize we're sort of drifting to one side. A second later, and our back left tire has slipped off the bike path and is now slightly on the gravel going down into the ravine. I'm not panicked just yet. I think we both let out a few noises. um, And I said, oh, that's okay. Uh, We'll just try and go forward, right? We'll just try and go forward. In the midst of Hannah trying to go forward, I don't know what happened. It's a stick shift. Neither of us know how to work this machine. We end up with both of our tires on the left side of our car on the side of this ditch. So now we are skewed at an angle at which I don't know because I'm terrible with math. Probably wasn't as sharp as a 45, but it was enough where you were in the car where I was in the car and I was leaning to the right side of the car because I thought that slight weight distribution would help us not die. At this point, Hannah, Hannah is panicking. She's like, Allie, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? And me, still not knowing what to do, sits there super supportively. It's okay, Hannah. Just breathe. We will get through this. I'm sure it's going to be okay. Mind you, we cannot call for help. Our phones don't work. Also, we have no friends yet because we have just gotten there. I can't get out of the car to ask someone to help us because I'm afraid if I do, the car will slide into the ravine because my weight is incredibly necessary on this right side of the car. Hannah's panicking. I'm sitting there being the most annoying like life coach possible. It's okay, Hannah. We'll be fine. It's fine. Okay, let's just breathe. I think if you put it into first gear, we can just cut it really hard and creep up slowly and not and not fall into this ravine. We sat there for probably five minutes before we did anything. Cars drove past us. A few bikes went past us, which I was so embarrassed about. And finally, Hannah was able to slowly creep forward and get us back on the path. And at this point, I want to cry because I am 
just, I cannot believe I am so joyful that we did not die today and we didn't spend our first week in Sweden wrecking a car that was given to us. So she manages to pull forward and then reverse. We get out of there, thank the Lord, and just go to Burger King so we can tell people about the terrible time we just had. And we get back to the apartment later and we are just cracking up. In the moment, it was so terrifying and so many thoughts flashed through my brain about the club kicking us off the team, the club making us pay for this car that we have just ruined, the car tipping on its side and Hannah and I being crushed in it, you know, so many scary thoughts. But after that moment, it was somehow less terrifying to drive this car because now basically the worst thing that could have happened, happened. So what else was there? I think life is like that a lot of the times. You get thrown into something that you're definitely not ready for and you realize you just have to, you know, whatever the saying is, pull up your boots or pull up your pants and do it anyway. I really don't think it's pull up your pants. Maybe it's boots. It could be neither of those things. Either way. And when you're face-to-face with an opportunity like this, you can either shy away and continue living the automatic autopilot life that you always have been, or you can decide to try the scary thing, to learn to take control of your life, to start driving your life in manual. You are in charge of your life, and the longer you stay doing the comfortable things, the less you're going to learn, the less you're going to grow, the less you're going to conquer your fears, you know? My brother was watching Criminal Minds the other day, which I just love that show, but I cannot watch it too much because I have dreams, like terrifying dreams. And then also I am an empath and a very emotional soul. So I absorb so much of the frightening feelings that that show emits. And although I am intrigued because it's also part of my soul map to love crime shows, I can't do so much of it. But anyway, the other day there was a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt and it said, You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Wow. Just wow. What a quote. I think this, (laughs) unfortunately, applies to the learning stick shift um, situation that Hannah and I were in looking fear directly in the face as we sat on the side of that ditch. But also, after that, there was a lot of things in my life that didn't seem as scary. Maybe it's not a big deal to any of you, but learning stick was a huge, a huge accomplishment in my life, a huge win. I realized I could do something that twice before I had tried and failed at miserably. And I could do it, though, if I just put my mind to it and jumped you know, took that leap of faith. When I dared to suck and dared to fail, I then succeeded. And I think that's the mindset that we all need to adopt more, like this willingness and welcoming of failure and fear. When I started my Practicing Alchemy brand and started this podcast and wrote my book, I was terrified. I put my head down and I worked and I got the book done and I bought the microphone. And then I had a moment where I freaked out and I texted my partner, Stacy and just said, I can't do this. My words don't mean anything. I'm reading them over and they suck. They have no emotion. And what am I going to talk about on a podcast? I don't have that many interesting things to say. Like no one's going to listen. No one is going to care. 
And she reminded me of something that I always say, that it doesn't matter what other people think. I just have to change one person's life. I just have to make one person's life better. And that person can be me. That idea of looking fear in the face and learning to get comfortable with failure and looking failure in the face, that has been the thing that changed me. And I'm that one person in this situation. I helped change my own life by deciding that I was just going to fail. I was going to fail at stuff. And I still feel that way about this Practicing Alchemy brand. I'm trying to branch out a little, put my toes in the water, like try some new things. And I'm scared. We just ordered some stickers, which are so cute. I'm obsessed. Stacy designed them because again, I have no eye for that sort of thing. And I love them, but I'm also terrified that no one else is going to like them and that no one's going to want to buy one. And then I will just have wasted all that money and time and energy on something. And not only is it the money, but emotionally that's going to hurt if no one likes the work that I have created, that Stacy has created, <laughs> but with my words and ideas, you know, but I am relinquishing the control that I feel I need over the situation and just allowing it because the people who are going to need my message are going to love my message. I might not always see them right away. I might not always see the impact that my words have made on people or my brand makes on people, but that doesn't mean that I should stop doing it. You know, this whole adventure has given me so much courage. Like every once in a while, I'll just sit here and be like, oh my God, I wrote a book. Like I host a podcast that probably has like five listeners, but I host a freaking podcast. Yes, I know in this day and age, anyone can do it, but I did it like me. And I'm so freaking proud that I was able to have the confidence and just take this leap of faith, dare to suck, dare to fail and do it anyway. When you think that you can't do something difficult, just remember the story of Hannah and I trying to learn stick shift in a foreign country where English is not the first language and neither of us knew how to do it at all. We did it and it was terrifying, but we learned it. And now I can say I know it. And if I'm ever in a tricky situation where no one else knows how to drive it and we need to get somewhere, I can do it. I know I can do it. Try and take this idea and apply it to your life. This idea of switching from automatic, or I would like to say autopilot to manual, you know, taking hold of the gear shift that is your life and steering it in the direction that you're terrified of. You know, doing the scariest things are the ones that produce the greatest result. Whether it's a horrible result or a good result, you will learn so much from messing up. So there are a few things that I feel like I have learned to switch or I am trying to switch from autopilot to manual, you know, taking control of these things. And one of those is my anxiety. I didn't really realize I had anxiety until after college. You know, I knew I was nervous and I would always say like, oh, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. But I didn't realize that I actually had anxiety until after college. I went through that horrible breakup and I started going to therapy. And my therapist and I talked a lot about anxiety and stress and the toll it plays on your body. And the one good thing, well, not one good thing, one of the good things that I learned from therapy is that it's okay to have anxiety. A lot of people have it and it manifests in different ways. 
But the more I went to therapy, the more I started sort of using anxiety as a crutch. You know, it was my safe place. I knew I had anxiety. I knew that I often dealt with bouts of depression. So I sort of used that to stay comfortable, you know, when I knew something was going to make me anxious, I just like refused to do it instead of just trying it. Like I know it's going to suck for a little bit, but I would close myself off from those things so that I didn't have to feel uncomfortable, which sometimes you have to do. Sometimes when you're at your limit or you, you just do not feel good about a situation, do not force yourself to do it. It's okay to say no. It's your life. You're the one who's going to have to deal with the repercussions of saying yes, no one else. But when there are things that you know you could probably accomplish, but you just don't feel great about them, maybe try pushing yourself a little to try them anyway. So I've tried to switch to a manual control of my anxiety. Now, I don't control my anxiety, but my anxiety does not control me either. I am able to discern better what things I'm able to do and not able to do, what's going to push me over the edge and what's going to push me just to my limit, but also help me to grow. Another thing has been my communication. I always thought I was so good at communication in all kinds of relationships, you know, friendships, um, family members, relationships. And every day I learn something new about communication. Actually, my mom and I just had in an argument this morning about Thanksgiving because my brother and sister-in-law are pregnant with their first baby. And due to the virus, I don't think they'll be coming down to visit us. They live in LA, so it's only, you know, a two and a half hour drive, but they're just nervous right now about the numbers. Understandably so. So mom has been hurting a bit about that, knowing that her family is so close, but we're not going to be able to see them. So she keeps doing her best to come up with ways around this. And I love her for it because family is the most important thing to my mother. And it's just so inspiring how much she's willing to work at it and sacrifice and just do her best with it. It's just crazy. But we had an argument, you know, because I was feeling some kind of way about this and she was feeling another way. And as I'm trying to communicate with her, how I'm feeling, I am just hating the response she's giving me. I'm hating the way she's handling my emotions and my feelings. And I don't know if it was fair (laughs) for me to hate the way she was dealing with it, but I did. And I told her, listen, like, this is the way I'm feeling. There's no need for you to get defensive or like come back with a, I hear you, but because there's no but to it. Just say, I hear you. That's, that is all I need to be heard. I need to feel that you hear what I'm saying, and you're validating me. Ooh, it was a rough, (laughs) rough 20, 25 minutes, and it was not fun. And I've said this before, my mom and I are best friends, and sometimes we have arguments like this, and I get loud every once in a while because I get frustrated, and she gets loud too. But we got through it, and it wasn't so much closure at the end. Like, I didn't have a great clarity, but I did feel that I said everything that I wanted to say, and I have discovered that is what I need. I need to say all of my pieces, not just my piece. I need to say all of the pieces, and then once I have said them, I'm good. Like, I'm so good. I just need to get all the stuff that's swimming around my brain out into the universe so that it's not in my brain anymore. After we finished the discussion, there was a few minutes of silence and then just some very casual talk like nothing of importance and so finally I said can I please have a hug because I feel like there is 
some weird energy between us now, and I was hoping that this talk would get us somewhere positive, and I don't know if it did. And she laughed, which is okay. I get laughed at a lot for the way I deal with things. Um, I think it was more just like in in awe and wonder of how I work. So she laughed and gave me a hug and, you know, said I was silly with all my feelings and stuff, feeling all these energies and things, which probably sounds kooky to some of you people, but I can explain it. I feel an energy. I feel an aura just get with it, you guys. But yeah, so I had to switch on to manual for my communication in the past couple of years. And it has opened up some very ugly conversations and feelings that I have never wanted to feel. But at the same time, I now feel so much more connected to myself. You know, I respect myself and I love myself enough to say the things that I'm feeling inside and stand up for those things, not just say them you know, I'm feeling this, this, and this. And when someone comes back and says, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that. Or, you know, I don't know why you feel that. I don't back down from that because I feel it. The feeling exists. Those emotions exist and they need to be heard or validated. And if you are not willing to do that, then I need to think your role in my life because I don't have time for people who aren't willing to hear and validate my feelings if I am always willing and and wanting to validate and hear their feelings. It's a two-way street on communication, I think. Yeah, so I think that's all I have today for this one. I could probably talk forever about this one because it's a it's a big one, you know? Taking control of your life, not just getting stuck in the same rut. So today I challenge you to find one aspect in your life. It can be teeny tiny. It can be getting up in the morning and, you know, doing seven breaths before you do anything else, before you check your phone, checking in with how you feel. It can be as simple as that. It can be as big as taking hold of your craft. What is the thing that you're passionate about and you have been letting slip by because you're too scared of what people are going to say or think, or you're too scared of failing? Let's discover what it is and let's work with it, you know? So I challenge you to change, to shift, to transition from this automatic autopilot life to a manual one in which you are in control. I think there are so many things in this world we cannot control, but our lives are the one thing that we can, you know? We have complete jurisdiction over what we say and what we do, so... Let's start alchemizing those things into something beautiful. And yes, I am smiling right now because I just used the word alchemize in my podcast. I have been wanting to do it a lot, but I always forget because I start ranting. But here we are. Alchemize it, baby. Alchemize that life. Take control. Let's do it. Thank you guys for listening today. Exciting news. My paperback book has just shipped to me. So all of you who have bought it, It is coming soon. I just have to get it and then I will ship it to you ASAP. So hopefully next week I will be able to ship it already. Also, as I said earlier, I have stickers. I just ordered some super cool stickers. I'm going to be sending one sticker in each of the books that I send out to you guys. And if you want more stickers, I'll be putting them up on my website and on my Instagram, practicingalchemy.com and practicingalchemy on Instagram. So you guys can check those out, see if you like them. I will hopefully be coming up with more designs. If these first designs go over well, then I would like to get some more and start doing some stickers too, because I think that'll be really cool. So if you have any questions or comments on today's podcast, any podcast suggestions, if you 
want to be on my podcast? Yes, I would love to have guests on my podcast. Jump on my website, practicingalchemy.com and send me an email or you can shoot me a DM on my Instagram at practicingalchemy. And I would love to hear from you guys. You know, I go on my Podbean and my Spotify and sometimes look at the statistics of this podcast to see how many people actually listen. (laughs) So I know some people are listening and it may just be my mother and Keneal, but that's okay. Mom, Keneal, if you have any questions, email me so I feel important. All right. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless.